Get informed, get inspired, and get connected. CannabisRadio.com presents NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. The National Cannabis Industry Association is the only national trade organization representing the businesses of the legal cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice covers a range of topics, including the rapidly evolving political and policy changes that affect our industry, news and events of importance to cannabis professionals, and features on companies, individuals, and campaigns at the cutting edge of the cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice begins now. Hello, thanks for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. Today, my guest is Peter Dockerty, the CEO of Orion Partners. Orion Partners Grow IQ platform helps cultivators increase crop yields and produce consistent quality flour. The Grow IQ analytics platform helps cultivators increase cultivation command and control measured in increased grams per square foot and reduced cost per gram results. Sounds like really important information for cultivators. Welcome to the show, Peter. <laughs> Thank you, Bethany. Glad to be here. Absolutely. Oh, so uh, I'm recovering from our Boston uh, conference, the Northeast Cannabis Business Conference, and we're getting ready to pivot to our March Cannabis Caucus event series, which is more of an evening networking reception series. And then, of course, already turning our head towards the Cannabis Business Summit and Expo taking place this summer as well in sunny San Francisco or foggy San Francisco, depending on the weather that day. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> um, so that show is June 15th, 16th, and 17th at the Moscone Center. So go, 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 off we go. Oh, but let's take a breather and let's stop and let's let's get to know you a little bit, Peter. Can you tell me a bit more about your background and your experience and some of the things you have been involved in prior to your work in the cannabis industry with Orion Partners. So first, thank you for uh, uh, giving me the opportunity, Bethany, and I'm glad you survived the cold in Boston. And it was so it, cold. It hasn't gotten any cold. warmer since you left, so <laughs> I think it got colder. Um, so oh, I'm in the business of enabling te- technologies for transformational markets, which is a little bit of a mouthful. Basically think pick and shovel uh, technologies that drive markets. And so have been the CEO of four companies, raised around 130 million, a little bit more than $130 million in venture private equity on our own funds. And it's all been um, software technology companies that have enabled markets. The first one was called Bitcasting. We wrote the first streaming multimedia player for the internet. And basically it was the software platform for how to um, how to stream media when people thought streaming was uh, fly fishing in Utah in, in 1998. And then, I remember, I remember yeah, the days. Yeah, exactly. When a 56k connection was a major connection. Was that um, uh, was that the Napster era? No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it was. That was all part of the streaming thing. Got it. That Napster was audio, right? Mm-hmm. We were we were just doing audio and video, and then we ended up getting acquired by. Uh, EMC, which was the largest storage company in the world at the time, and then um, got out after my hold back and ended up acquiring a virtual networking company, which basically was how to distribute content around uh, global networks for large enterprise. And so 
that was really writing comp and we ended up virtualizing from hardware to software. So it was how to distribute content and then how to um, write very complex hardware systems and software, which is the beginning of hardware virtualization. And then mm. the, the next company, after we sold that company, the next company was a virtual cloud, which was kind of the penultimate virtualization play, meaning um, abstracting compute storage and networking into a single software layer so you could manage cloud um, silos as a virtual system. So pretty complex stuff. I did it with the, a guy who was a networking savant. He was the CTO of cloud from Cisco. Um, and after Great. about three years of that, um, got bored with IT and trying to prove who was the smartest guy in the room with the IT guys and had taken some time off and ran into some brothers who were running a company called Medicinal Genomics. And there were two components to that company, which was a human genetic side and a plant genetic side. Uh -huh. the, the individual who had, who had founded it was a uh, savant in genetics. He had run R&D for the Human Genome Project to sequence the human genome between 2001 and 2008. Anyway, fast wow. forward. Yeah, exactly. I spent a lot of time trying to figure out what he was actually saying during conversation, <laughs> you know, anyway. Uh, so um, uh, I helped them finance that company. Uh, the money went into the parent company, which was doing human genetics for companies like GW Pharma, which was basically variant gene analytics for, um, to identify uh, the way to treat epilepsy from a genetic perspective and test the drugs against it. GW Pharma, um, as you know, developed the first um, FDA-approved drug using cannabis, which is called uh, Epidiolex. Yep. Uh, and then um, the wholly owned subsidiary, which was Medicinal Genomics, was doing um, genetic testing for growers and then was selling testing equipment or is selling testing equipment into labs around North America to replace plating technology. So basically, what I, the way I got into the cannabis market was by helping launch medicinal genomics with Kevin who founded it and then uh, left after six months when the company got launched and started this company and largely uh, what we're doing is helping cultivators and execs um, who by the way couldn't care less about any of that background because they don't want to understand virtual networking or cloud systems or variable analytics what they want to do is apply technologies in a way that allow them to to create economic outcomes, which is the, in this case is optimizing cultivation from a command and control perspective to mm -hmm. drive yield increases. So that's basically what we're up to. And very user friendly, I'm guessing. Yeah, the, the idea is we put all the science and technology behind the curtain and all the growers or execs have to do is look at an interface, which tells them what's going on in the grow room. It's, it's, I assimilate it to actually turning on the lights for the first time and you can see what's happening because you can mm -hmm. visualize a grow room in 3D and understand what's happening in a way that allows you to create better control to uh, drive yield increases. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that helps in terms of description, but that's basically what we're up to. Yeah, got it. Yep. Okay. So this is all really important technology infrastructure that's behind the scenes that the, the cannabis consumer doesn't see, the dispensary exactly. doesn't even see this as well. Right. Um, so this is really high tech stuff. So <laughs> on yes. the, and yeah. it's really important and it's important to describe that for, for people. Um, 
and I'm sure they're very happy it's happening and that they don't have to wrap their heads around all the technology as well. Like you were saying, the the executives don't don't really care about the 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 code behind it. They just care about the results they're getting, right? Yes. The notion there is not to be a data expert, not to be a technology expert. It should be an asset that allows you to do your job better by having the data to back up. And mm -hmm. if you you know, if you dig in on the cannabis market right now, the majority of operations, including multi-state operators, is using analog data like logbooks and spreadsheets. And that's just not scalable. You can't do any analytics on it. You can't right. do comparative trending. Or if you do do it, it's very manual process. And it just, it doesn't scale. So yeah. uh, if we can provide a, a means of seeing, analyzing, and then controlling better, it helps them accomplish their mission, which is cultivating flour that has consistent quality um, and increasing the you know grams per square foot and reducing the cost per grams, which is what the execs care about. Right, right. Yeah. So to change the conversation a little bit here uh, before we take a commercial break, I always like to ask people, what made you get involved in the cannabis industry? Some people have um, they had a light bulb moment or they've been an advocate for a long time or they just enjoy the plant or they have a personal story. So I'm curious what yours is. So thank you for asking. And, and I, I do enjoy the plant, but the light bulb moment for me was actually looking through the science lens at what cannabis actually has the prospect to um, uh, provide relative to medicinal use and that was through medicinal genomics and and after having gone through that experience then i then looked back uh, i uh, my mom died about 18 years ago uh, on her 80th birthday she announced she had cancer and three months later she was dead oh my um, goodness yeah because she didn't want to she didn't want to go through the torture of um uh, of the treatments, the, the Western medicine treatment. So she basically said, I'm not going to do anything. Oh. So she suffered a lot. And when I, after seeing um, what cannabis can do through MGC and seeing what she went through, she could have um, uh, avoided a lot of the pain. My, my mom was a very, very traditional person. So she went to church every day, you know, we're Catholic. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, she was also very <laughs> against marijuana because of the way that uh, we grew up in the time that she grew up in specifically. So she Free never for madness. Be, yeah, yeah mm -hmm. exactly. She never would have considered using it. But once I had learned the science of cannabis, it kind of made it a real irrefutable argument in terms of the value it creates. And certainly for both the treatment of cancer as well as the treatment of pain. Um, and so I, it, the personal side for me was um, what she went through. She didn't have to, if, uh, the science and knowledge about cannabis had been available at the time, which it wasn't, unfortunately. Yeah. Yep. I totally understand that. Yeah. Um, my, my father is a cancer survivor. Um, they gave him two years to live 20 years ago, but he is still, still kicking. Um, yep. He does not use cannabis, but he does take a lot of painkillers and sleeping pills. And I'm always trying to nudge him in the direction of, trying to replace some of those with cannabis. So I'm hoping one of these days I can achieve that. Mm, hopefully the data will help you do that, right? Yes, absolutely. All right, we're going to take our first commercial break and then we'll be right back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice to chat more with Peter. Stay tuned. Mm -hmm. 
NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Candid. Captivating. Compelling. Welcome to Cannabis Confidential with Dr. Dina. Welcome to Cannabis Confidential. Oh, you got me again. All right. You got me again. Welcome to Cannabis Confidential. Ah! <laughs> hey, we did it. We did it. Hey, Welcome. I have the coolest guest today. You guys already know. The one and only Tommy Chong. CannabisRadio.com proudly presents Cannabis Confidential. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. <laughs> they have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Doc Rob, the concierge for better living. Cannabis is just one of the many great plants that we have on this planet called Earth that we can use consciously and intelligently to improve our well-being. Take a real, raw, inside look at healthier living while sharing great ideas and improvements for a better quality of life. Learning to live and live well is a lifelong process. This is a journey. It could be you could be 80 years old or eight years old. You can still learn something that's gonna make tomorrow a little bit healthier, a little bit easier, a little bit happier, a little bit better. The concierge for better living with Doc Rob. Only on cannabisradio.com. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice, only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. We've been chatting with Peter from Orion Partners. Thanks so much for sharing a lot about your background. It's really high-tech and fascinating and, and seems to have set the stage for a lot of technology uh, that we see today that we use that we probably take uh, for granted. Um, so let's get started here by talking about data in the cannabis industry. Data is king. We need more data to make actionable decisions. And now that we have a few years under our belt of the state legal cannabis programs, both medical and adult use, there is quite a bit of data to crunch, which is really cool. So what are your thoughts on the importance of analyzing useful data in our industry for these companies that you know they have a lot to deal with federal illegalities so they're they're trying to survive but they they actually would like to also thrive <laughs> at some right. point here yeah right. yep the the most interesting thing about this market is how nascent it is despite the fact that the plant's been in use for thousands of years you know because of the federal the period of federal and state illegality of it. So 
in order to understand how to utilize data, you have to understand the state of the market. And the, the uh, I like to use multi-state operators as a um, market requirement use case. So mm -hmm. um, the rule of the, and it's important to understand the rules of uh, the rule of thumb of early stage companies, which is never try to execute more than one business model concurrently. And the reason I'm saying that is MSOs by their nature are trying to execute three business models, which is cultivation, manufacturing, and distribution. And so mm -hmm. the majority, I would guess, if you looked at the P&Ls, the profit and loss statements or financials for the MSOs, 90% of them are suffering because they're trying to do the impossible, which is execute three business models concurrently as early stage companies. They're so if you, whole supply it, chain there, right? <laughs> yep, yeah, which is, it's just really hard to do and very, very few of them are doing it well. Mm -hmm. And then part two is their hands are tied because they've got tribal knowledge, which means they've got growers who are coming out of California, Colorado or elsewhere who are used to working in 500 square feet and they're now trying to work in 50,000. And it's just a, it's a whole different universe. And not only that, they're trying to do it with analog systems, which are logbooks and spreadsheets, which don't scale. Pen and paper on a clipboard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so when you, we, we, I'll give you an example. We have a customer that's collecting data from 130 grow rooms on a, oh, wow. on a weekly basis. And the way that they're sharing that data is they're sending 130 spreadsheets to a manager who then has to go through those and figure out if they have IPM issues or other things that are going on with equipment, stuff like that. Mm. It, it, you know, but it doesn't scale. So the importance of it's, it's the importance of data is that it gives you the ability to let the, the systems, the machines do the work for you in terms of aggregating and trending that data. So you can do your job instead of spending your time trying to find the data so you can understand what's going on, right? So in this case, what we're doing is assimilating that information with all the magic behind the curtain, mm -hmm. presenting it in a way that the management, the operations team, the cultivator can see what's happening in his room and the C-suite can understand how their company's operating on key, against key performance indicators. So yeah. it's sort of the data in the context of the use case, which is help me operate three um, business models concurrently in a way that allows me to see what's happening so I can do my job better. Yeah, and, work, work right. smarter, not harder in some exactly. cases. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So it's less, I, I, it's less about data than it is about functional information that allows me to do my job better and packaging it in a way that they can see it that way and utilize it. So yeah. that's the, the magic. That's the magic is making it utilizable. That's great. That's yeah. awesome. So if, if, if I'm running a cultivation facility, whether it's 50,000 square feet or larger or smaller, um, there's going to be specific data points that I really want uh, or KPIs. Yep. Um, what what would you say are some of the most important data points? Like if you only have a little bit of time, you have a 15 minute meeting with the C-suite, what are those top KPIs that you think are most, I'm sure they're all important, but what little grouping of KPIs or data points are the most important you think for cultivators? So, so using multi-state operators as an example, again, if, um, 
if you're listening to a quarterly report or an annual report from an executive and he and his answer to how they're different is we've got really great cultivars and we've got a really great team and uh, then you know that they don't have key performance indicators because what he <laughs> should be reporting on is how they're operating against grams per square foot cost per gram and grams per kilowatt hour which are the three key measurements of operational efficiency inside of any one of these organizations and by the way i'm only aware of one that even has this information one multi-state operator that has this information at this mm. point and then from a operations perspective in order in, in um so that the ops team can report to the execs it should be the same key performance indicators for each facility so you can start to stack rank facility against facility mm -hmm. in terms of how they're operating right because the fundamental problem is each site's different all the infrastructure is different all the cultivars are different the ms uh, the sops are different how the hell do you organize that you organize it into kpis that you can report out on and hold people accountable to mm -hmm. and then from an operations perspective the key data that the the ops team is looking for inside an ecosystem is how what's my airflow and what's my vpd which is my vapor pressure which it's it's essentially a measurement of your plant health so anyway that's those are kpis for both execs and ops guys i hope all the cultivators listening know exactly what you meant by all that i am still struggling to keep they my plant alive here next yeah. to my desk so yeah. awesome thank you for that <laughs> you're welcome and, and sorry if it sounds confusing oh no no i'm just um i i'm like I said, I'm just, I'm happy if I can keep my house plants alive and I leave, I leave the growing to the experts because they do know what you're talking about. So that's yep. great. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. Um, so let's take a big picture look here at the market as a whole. We're not quite at the federal level yet, but there are dozens of states with medical or adult use laws on the books. And those markets are either established by now, like Colorado, Washington, maybe, or they're emerging markets like we're seeing in Massachusetts and Michigan. Um, what are your thoughts about these various markets, where they're at today, and maybe some advice or maybe concerns you have about what's, what's happening today? Yeah, so I don't have advice because I don't think, you know, I don't, I've been in the market three years, I don't consider myself an expert in this market, but uh, I think the lens that I have available is looking at the battleground between Eastern and Western economics and medical approaches. And what that means is um, Eastern medicine is really whole plant, Western medicine is single molecule. So yeah. epidiolex is a single molecule drug. To me, that's anathema to the nature of cannabis, which is whole plant um, capacity in terms of active molecules available to treat issues and the endocannabinoid system that, you know, exists in all of us. So if, if I'm making a bet on health, I'd make a bet on uh, nature versus Western medicine, nature being whole plant Eastern medicine types of approaches versus mm -hmm. Western medicine, single molecule. The problem is it's really hard to, you can't patent or um, um, control uh, whole plant approaches as easily as you can single molecule. And so right. the economics of capitalism are against these Eastern medicine or holistic health approaches. 
So I think that's the battleground from a medical perspective in terms of what's going to happen with cannabis. And, and I don't, you know, I can't prognosticate on who wins that. Um, I hope it isn't um, uh, large drug companies that want to produce single molecule drugs, because I think it's just really antithetical to the way that cannabis operates as a uh, system and the way that it interacts with the human system in terms of uh, the endocannabinoid system. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally get that. I mean, I, I have an inclination toward natural medicine, um, herbal remedies. You know, I've been taking black elderberry syrup the last couple of weeks trying to work on this cough. That's um, awesome. But, yeah. you know, sometimes you need the antibiotics. Sometimes you need the, yep. the Western medicine. So there, there's, there's a balance of both. And it's, it's unfortunate that this whole plant medicine has so many uh, hurdles uh, when it comes to some of these approaches. So it, it's super complex. So it's not necessarily for the, you know, it, it almost harkens back to old pharmacopoeia times when the pharmacist was um, the developer of the drug. Mm, right. Mm -hmm, yeah. And I think that's what the cannabis is going to take us back to at some level. The apothecarian approach. Yeah, exactly. All right, let's take our last commercial break and then we'll be right back to wrap up our chat with Peter Dougherty from Orion Partners. Stay tuned. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Trends and technology, processes and products. We cover these areas and more on the cutting edge of cannabis. Be informed from the latest initiators of new innovation. Learn about the latest breakthroughs and best practices in the cannabis and hemp industries. Better products, better infrastructure, and better sustainability. The Cutting Edge of Cannabis, consulted by the American Cannabis Company. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling, with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee, Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet take-anywhere treat. Dazed and infused. Join sugar industry expert Latham Woodward for a happier hour each week for a lively and often hilarious discussion on the infusion of cannabis into food, beverages, and life. Explore exciting new culinary landscape trends with fascinating friends and guests who are leading the industry into the uncharted mainstream. Discover curated menus, enhanced cocktails, and live tastings. Life's a little sweeter here on Dazed and Infused. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice, only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio, and we've been chatting with Peter Dougherty from Orion Partners. Uh, that company is focused on helping cultivators increase crop yields, and he described a lot of how that works in the previous segment. And now I'd kind of like to turn over to some interesting questions, big picture questions. 
Um, of course, NCIA as, as an organization, as a trade association, was founded in 2010. It's now the year 2020. So it, it's kind of a milestone on its own that we've had a dedicated national trade association for the cannabis industry for this long. Sure is. Uh, yep. there's, a, there's a lot to reflect on. Yep. Um, so we talked a bit about your background, but I'm, I'm curious, where were you 10 years ago when NCIA was founded? And more importantly, did you, did you ever think you would be in the cannabis industry? <laughs> so no, I didn't think I'd be in the cannabis industry. Uh, and I was still knee deep in IT discussions with cloud systems guys, uh, in yeah. data centers. Um, and Do you think they consumed? They uh, yeah, I guarantee they must have by the end of the day, uh, based <laughs> on what we were working on. Nice. Um, yeah. So I, uh, ten years ago, I had no idea that I'd I'd be in the cannabis industry. Certainly. Yeah. And I, the the cannabis industry, from my perspective, didn't exist at that point, even though NCIA did. Um, mm -hmm. uh, just because it was so far. Uh, it was far-fetched to, to believe that it was going to be legalized in any near term. Yeah. Um, uh, so I had no idea what was going to happen. Fair answer. I hear that a lot. Yeah. Um, so now that you do have, you know, your sleeves rolled up in the industry a bit and you've seen some things, uh, if you were to look into your crystal ball, what kind of prediction would you have for where our industry will be 10 years from now in 2030? Uh, I think it'll be mainstream. There won't be the um, dissonance relative to utilization of cannabis. Uh, I think it takes a generation to get over that. And I think we'll be near that time mm -hmm. at that point. Um, so it, it will be less, why are you using cannabis than how do you apply it in a way that it, it'll be recognized as a mainstream um, uh, option for health and recreation. Uh, yeah. And it'll be in, in um, uh, widespread use. Uh, my guess is we'll we'll be buying cannabis from drugstores, not uh, um, uh, dispensaries. Yeah. And there, and I think it's going to be on the shelf in the uh, the supermarket in CBD products and uh, some level of THC products yeah. for recreation. So I can see that. Yeah. yeah. Sure. I think it's if the, the, the road markers are already there for all that occurring. So, I like uh, that. that. That's a good positive outlook and I support it. Yeah. Um, so obviously NCIA is uh, comprised of over almost 2000 companies across the country representing our interests, creating education, advocacy in DC. Um, I, I, I would like to ask what, what major company decided to join NCIA and what are you getting the most out of being involved in this national network? I, I think one of the fascinating things about uh, any new market, and this includes cannabis, uh, is that um, when it becomes a gold rush or a green rush, there's a large number of folks who are involved who are wannabes and pretenders, not really operators. And I think NCIA provides the opportunity to meet leaders in the market as opposed to pretenders in the market, which is really important when you're trying to operate at scale in a new market. Yeah. And, th and then, uh, so I, I think that's the critical factor. 
uh, and the other part is the ability to influence at some level the outcome relative to this market by becoming part of an association that's lobbying for um, legislative outcomes is really important. And, and I've always been anti, you know, I, I, my, I use the Groucho Marx expression of I never wanted to belong to a club that would have me as a member. <laughs> uh, and, but in this case, it seemed very worthy in the way to get to know people and get to at least have the prospect of some influence on the outcome, which is the reason we did it. Yeah, great. Yeah, thanks for that answer. And and there's lots of ways we provide that those opportunities. Our 10th annual lobby days is coming up, which is my favorite. It's most people's favorite event that NCI does. Of course, we have the Northeast Cannabis Business Conference behind us that we just finished in Boston. And there's all these traditional conferences, you know, with the expo floor and the panel sessions and the keynote and the networking. But Lobby Days is very different. Um, you know, about 300 plus NCIA members fly out to DC for two or three days. We make it easy for you. We put you in groups. We pre-schedule meetings with members of Congress and their staffers. And we give you talking points and the whole nine yards. And you are hoofing it around Washington, DC between Senate and House buildings having these meetings and it is so inspiring and so exciting. So our 10th annual Cannabis Industry Lobby Days is in May, May 19th, 20th and 21st. So I encourage people to start making plans even though NCIA has just barely started promoting this out to our membership. And of course you can learn more about Lobby Days at our Cannabis Caucus event series throughout the month of March. We will be in eight cities. This is a complimentary event for NCIA members to register to. We'll be in Oregon, Colorado, Missouri, Michigan, Illinois, California, and New Jersey. So please check our website to register for that. And we have run out of time, Peter. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Where can people find out more about Orion Partners? Uh, website's the easiest place, which is orionpartners.ai, which is, stands for artificial intelligence, oddly enough. Neat. Yep. I like it. Appreciate the opportunity, Bethany. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thanks to everyone for tuning in to another episode of NCI's Cannabis Industry Voice. Until next time. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.